0: Hey friends, welcome back to the Making Room on the Pew podcast. I'm Bailey Jo Welch Pomerantz, your host here on the show, and you are listening to episode 32. Today on the show, we have my new friend, Sarah Beth Kaplan. Sarah Beth is an author of several books, including Confessions of a Prodigal Daughter, which was an Amazon bestseller, so definitely go check that out, Confessions of a Prodigal Daughter. Her writing has been featured in The Huffington Post, The Sun Magazine, Sojourners, guys, lots of places. When she's not writing books or blogs, she is working at home as a freelance writer and editor, creating web content for companies to help boost their SEO. So she's originally from Ohio. Now she lives in Colorado with her husband, Joshua, and their two spoiled kitties, Zoe and Katniss Everclean. Amazing name, and we definitely know something about spoiled kitties around here. A few of Sarah Beth's favorite things is freshly ground coffee, yes, candles, thrift shopping, pretzels, autumn, independent bookstores, making jewelry, the scent of lavender and cold weather, yes, and yes. So we today are talking all about how Sarah Beth is ethnically Jewish. But she identifies as Christian. So we talk about how that's sometimes complicated. um, Questions that people ask her a lot. Sometimes dumb questions. Um, Why she converted over into Christianity. What her favorite things are about her church. And how we cannot um, appropriate Jewish culture. Just because Jesus was Jewish doesn't mean that we get to take it over. So I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, Sarah Beth is so kind and open and just a really generous person, especially talking about this specific thing that I think a lot of people are curious about. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with Sarah Beth Kaplan. Beth, welcome to the Making Room on the Pew podcast. I am so glad to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so, okay, for those of the listeners who maybe haven't connected with you before, haven't read your books, will you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, a little bit about your faith journey, since that's a lot of what we'll be talking about today, whatever people who don't know you need to know before we have this conversation.
1: Sure. Um, so, um, I always call myself a writer first and foremost, um, but pay the bills. I work out of my home office as a freelance writer and editor. Um, I create web content for companies to help boost their SEO and their web traffic. Um, I'm originally from a suburb outside of Cleveland, Ohio, but I moved out to Northern Colorado, um, originally for seminary. That's a whole other story. We don't have to, I don't have to bore you with the details of it right now. (laughs) Um, I moved out here. Uh, My then boyfriend at the time followed me. Um, I realized I couldn't shake him. So we got married. Um, We live out here with our two very spoiled kitties, Zoe and Katniss. Um, And um, yeah, so since we moved out here, I've authored a couple of books um, including probably my most successful one is a memoir that talks about my conversion from Reformed Judaism to the Anglican Church.
0: Yeah. So you re- you wrote your memoir at a fairly young age, right? Yeah, it was 22, which was
1: older, at least, than Justin Bieber when he said he wanted to write <laughs> memoir.
0: So I, yeah. it's, not, it's not completely ridiculous, I guess. Yeah. No, tell us though, why did you decide to write your story? Um,
1: (laughs) I didn't intend to do that. Actually. Um, I wrote it mainly because I couldn't find the book that I needed. Um, so I just wrote the book that I wanted to read. Although Lauren Winner's memoir, Girl Meets God is one that comes very close. Um, if you're listening, Lauren, I've been your fan forever. (laughs) Um, We're best friends, but you don't know it yet. Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah um really i i wrote the book that i needed but i couldn't find and i also wanted to just keep a record for myself of um, the events that led up to my conversion just for my own sake and just to make it a little bit easier to explain to people like what was happening but i actually realized at some point as i was writing it down that the real beginning of that story was actually back in my childhood so before Mm. i knew it this record which intended to just be like a outline eventually became
0: book length. Yeah. I love that. So on, um, your website, and it's a lot of what your memoir is about. You say that you're journeying as an Anglican with a cultural and ethnic Jewish identity. Will you talk (laughs) a little bit about that? Cause I think for a lot of people that would be really confusing. Yeah. Um, that
1: is, I guess, a roundabout way of, saying that my faith is Christian but my background is Jewish um which you know kind of goes into the reason that I don't call myself a messianic Jew because the two faiths are just I mean if you're knowledgeable about Judaism then you know that the two faiths are just spiritually incompatible um it just it gives people a better it's a mouthful but it gives people more of a understanding of like where i stand spiritually and that i'm coming to the anglican faith with uh, a background of information starting from Judaism. So that sort of colors my experience of Christianity. It informs the way that I understand Christianity, the way that I relate to Jesus as a Jewish person. Um, but, you know, if, if we were meeting in real life, I wouldn't say that. I would just say I'm Anglican. <laughs> and, you know, if, it, if it's relevant in a conversation as we're getting to know each other, then I would say, oh, I, my family's Jewish. I grew up Jewish, but like, I don't, I don't introduce myself with like this journeying as an Anglican with a Jewish (laughs) background, because it just, you know, it just, I mean, it, it is what it is, you know, like, there's nothing Jewish about my faith anymore, my, my ancestry remains the same, my heritage is the same, um, but that's not my faith anymore.
0: Gotcha, um, okay, so my, so my wife also was, so her mom is Catholic, and her dad is Jewish. Yes, I remember you mentioned that, Yes. Yeah. So I ask her all, so she's a pastor now in a Protestant Christian religion. So like, there's always so much stuff going on and people Mm -hmm. give her a lot of, um, flack about it of like, you can't continue to say that you're culturally and ethnically Jewish because you're not, not anymore. You're not Jewish enough in quotation marks. Um, and I ask her a lot about why she didn't go into the Messianic Jewish space. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, I know you said that the two, Christianity and Judaism, they're incompatible. It doesn't make any sense to put them together. But I think for a lot of people like myself who grew up as and evangelical that was kind of like the height of everything like if you could get to be like a messianic jew that you were like quote the best is yeah. what i was taught so i think it's yeah. really interesting that sarah and now you feel oh, man, this is gonna get that...
1: your wife's names
0: yeah i <laughs> know <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> um yeah my wife sarah and you feel completely different mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I get that question a lot. And it kind of cracks me up, because I totally know what you're talking about when you say like, it's the pinnacle of like, everything you can be as a Christian, you're like somehow closer to Jesus. But then I think of that verse in Galatians, you know, there's no Jew or Gentile in Christ Jesus, like all are one. So like, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> um, I don't know how that verse fits in with like, the spectrum of religiosity. Um, But yeah, it's, It's hard for some people, and it was hard for me too, uh, to learn that Christian with Jewish heritage and Messianic Jew are not the same thing. Um, And what many Christians don't realize is that the theological teachings, as I've kind of said before, um, the teachings of Christianity and Judaism have evolved in opposite directions over the last 2000 years. That's why I have a blog post um, on the about page of my blog of um, the major theological differences between Judaism and Christianity, because a lot of people simply don't know. Um, You know, they think they don't realize that like Jewish teaching on sin, for example, is completely different than what Christians teach. Like there's no original sin in Judaism. That's not how they read uh, that part of Genesis when when the fall is introduced. the Messiah can't be both God and man, there's just, there's just so many things, like there's similarities, of course, but like the core doctrines that make Judaism, Judaism, that make make Christianity, Christianity, you know, those are where you kind of get into some sticky territory trying to reconcile them, and even if Jesus himself, you know, people say this, well, Jesus didn't intend to create two different religions, he was continuing Judaism, like kind of redefining it, um preaching to the jews first and then the gentiles but you know i mean i guess this is like the world that we live in you know we didn't listen to jesus like you know that's just that's just not what happened like judaism and christianity just went their separate ways um they still have the common origins in abraham they share scriptures um but messianic judaism i've noticed from just what i've studied from talking to messianic jews that i've met both in person and online and visiting messianic, I call them churchagogues, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, they, they actually have like politically and spiritually, they have more in common with evangelicals than with traditional Judaism. Um, A lot of messianic Jews, like they were very much pro-Trump. They have like a lot of American flags in their sanctuaries. Um, You know, just things that like are virtually unthinkable in a Jewish space. Um, And I also, I think it's also important to point out that every single Jew that I know from my family to some of my closest Jewish friends from childhood, they consider Messianic Judaism to be basically Christianity in Jewish cosplay. Um, It comes across as appropriation of sacred symbols and traditions. And if Christians value their Jewish friendships and they wanna keep the doors open for conversation, we need to listen to that. And so it was so important for me you know i'd already alienated people i completely blindsided them by like saying you know converting to christianity which is like such a huge slap in the face but if i called myself a messianic jew i think that that would have driven a wedge even further and that would have made me more unapproachable um less relatable just someone that they would be afraid of because you know they'd constantly be thinking like okay are you going to talk to me or are you going to proselytize and i just yeah. you know i couldn't do that yeah
0: why did you, why did you convert? <laughs> I'm sure that's, uh, that's a story. I'm sure not just yeah. an answer, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, I guess the short answer is that
1: it's, it's, in, it's the incarnation. It's God yeah. in the flesh, uh, a totally heretical concept in Judaism. If there ever was one, Jews are not really that strict when it comes to like dogma and doctrine and stuff but like certain things like who the messiah is what god is or is not (laughs) and god can't be a man like Mm. you know you just can't um and of course that was like the one thing that i wanted because i wanted something tangible i loved the idea of god in a body um like bodies that know sweat and pain and exhaustion not just this like far off being in us in the sky who's watching us um God is deliberately not defined in with physical traits in Judaism, which I mean, is part of a sacred mystery. There's a place for that certainly, but um, it was not the need that I had growing up. So uh, there was that um, learning about saints. I don't, I still don't know. I guess I could blame my Catholic friends because most of my friends were Catholic growing up, but I was obsessed learning about Joan of Arc. Um, and other medieval saints, um, you know, the girls my age, they were like reading Babysitter's Club and American Girl series, and I'm totally dating myself by saying that. Um, <laughs> Same. <laughs> totally outing myself like, as a Um but you know, I was reading about saints and martyrs, and yeah. my poor parents are like scratching their heads. Like, where did this kid come from? We have no idea, but that's what I was interested in, so. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's not surprising,
1: really.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, I love that. The, the, one of the things for you was a tangible, um, accessible God. Um, I love that. I think that I have had my own, um, in my faith journey, times of like, why am I still here? Like, why am I still a Christian? Mm-hmm. And I heard Rachel Held Evans say once, that she was still here because Jesus was the one story she was willing to be wrong about. Yeah. And I was like, yes, that's exactly it is that I am willing to be wrong about this one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love how you, you put that. Um, that was beautiful. Um, I had somewhere I was going and then I just lost my train of thought. Um whatever. I'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, so I think that oh, I remember. Why did you choose the Anglican church? I I don't know much about the Anglican church to be honest with you. I grew up evangelical I'm now because of my wife in the United Church of Christ. But it's different the, in Church of Christ, right? Oh yes. Yes, yes, yes. My husband grew up Church of Christ. But that's separate from yes. United Church right? Okay. Yes, it is. We've run into that a couple of times on the podcast where someone is like, what? And I'm like, no, no, no. Different, different.
1: Yeah, because he like grew up without alcohol, dancing, like yes girls
0: couldn't wear pants (laughs) yes exactly my wife definitely would not be a pastor there (laughs) um yeah no i just don't know much about the anglican church except through people that i have met on twitter like it seems like that is where i'm learning um
1: just wonderful
0: yeah (laughs) so i i would love to hear, did you go through a couple of different traditions or did you just know like the Anglican church was the one for you?
1: Yeah, so coming from the outside of things, I thought there was Catholic and Protestant and you were one or the other, which I mean is technically true, but then within the umbrella of Protestantism, of course, you've got thousands and thousands of denominations and I could not have told you a single thing about what they are or why they're necessary. Um, so I found the Anglican Church really when I wasn't looking, which I think is kind of how all great mm-hmm. love stories begin, right? <laughs> um, but really it comes, it's, it's about the liturgy. Um, and I think that if there is any way to practice Christianity in a Jewish sense, so to speak, it is through the liturgy. It's through the church calendar, um, the sacred festivals, um, you know, the regular, the, the readings, um, going through the Bible throughout the year. I mean, that is pretty much what a Jewish service looks like. Um, reading from our own prayer book, much of which comes from the Torah. Um, there's the sermon, which isn't a sermon in the typical Protestant sense. It's not like, you know, the pastor with a PowerPoint with like slides of their families and, t- you know, making jokes and cultural references It's kind of like on a on an extreme scale, like a cult of personality of, of a of sort which I'm sure you're familiar with, mm-hmm. um, you know the sermon is like maybe five minutes long, if that. Wow. Um, the focus is the liturgy, it's the hymns, it's the worship together as a community, um, and then finally the Eucharist. And you know it, it's just the pattern, the structure of the services reminded me of being in synagogue, pretty much. But it wasn't trying to be synagogue, in the way that a lot of messianic churchagogues try to do. Like singing um, typical hymns, but like replacing Jesus with Yeshua, which just throws off the whole melody. Or like, you know, having a Torah going down the aisleway, like the the rabbi or the pastor, or whatever he is, like holding the Torah while you're singing about Jesus. It's like, it's not, it's not forced. It's not like trying to fit two puzzle pieces where they don't belong. It's like the Anglican church to me just seemed kind of like the natural outgrowth of like what christianity should look like if it came from judaism to me so
0: yeah it sounds like the anglican church is very um focused on community is that Mm. fair to say
1: yes community for sure um which is why i haven't really done zoom church in the pandemic because it's not just like listening to my pastor speaking while I can sit in my pajamas and drink coffee. It's very interactive. It requires standing and sitting and call and response. So like when you're just sitting there in your living room by yourself, and you know, your your priest says like, (laughs) you know, God be with you. And you say by yourself and also with you, it's like, Mm. it's not the same. And it just feels weird. And my husband's in the kitchen, just staring like, what are you doing? (laughs) He's not an (laughs) Englishman. So, (laughs) you know, it just, I haven't been able to connect with it. by myself so yeah missing that community like that's been that's been pretty hard and that's one of the things i i miss the most in this pandemic life
0: oh (laughs) yeah yeah i love that you knew exactly where i was going that's what i was going to ask is how how has that been in the pandemic because yeah for us it was like i could stand up give the children's sermon sarah could stand up give the i don't know real quote real sermon (laughs) um and then we're done Mm -hmm. Because, because sure we have like some call and response but not a lot it didn't it didn't feel weird to do it on zoom yeah and I'm it was
1: I just couldn't get into it but I think I'm better suited for pandemic life than the average person since I'm already a homebody I'm already an introvert so you know as long as I've got my books um and I can still like talk to people via text or zoom or or social media, I'm good. I mean, that's not the ideal spiritual life as it ought to be lived out, but you know, for right now, like
0: I'm I'm doing pretty okay. (laughs) Good. Good. What is something that you have learned about God through your faith journey? That is just like something that you either really surprised you, or something that was so impactful, you know you're never going to forget it? That's
1: a great question.
0: I know I surprised you with that one. I'm sorry. I, don't, <laughs> I
1: don't know how to answer that because I can go several different ways with that. Um, you pick what you want. <laughs> I guess, I mean, going back to some of the reasons that I was attracted to Christianity in the first place, that like suffering isn't wasted. Um, yeah that suffering is like, or it can be, I should say, a form of refinement. I mean, I would never say to like the abused wife or the survivor of a a car accident where everyone else was killed. Like, this is God's way of shaping you. Like, you're gonna grow so much stronger. Like, of course not, that's ridiculous. But I mean, the the struggles that we go through though, like the title of um, my last book is called Spinning Crap into Fertilizer about how suffering is kind of a critical piece of the Christian faith. Um, You know, not just obviously because of how Christ suffered, but how like we all have our own individual crosses and this is part of our spiritual formation. And it kind of amazed me how like over the years, whether it's like arguing with my husband or, you know, a fight with a friend or just feeling so disheartened reading the news or, you know, anything or financial loss, that was a big one. My husband got laid off a few years ago. Um, we were nine months without employment. Um, my freelancer income was like meager. <laughs> mm. um, and so like, depending on friends and family to help us when we needed it, it's like, wow, that's the community of God right there. Yeah, Like, you know, that's a form of godly provision. That's a form of like that pain, that uncertainty being used to show me what's important. Um, you know, to you know, show me that I can find joy in all circumstances, as Paul wrote about when he was in chains in prison. Like, it's not dependent on your circumstances. And that still, that still blows me away to think about that. And it's something I'm thankful for now that we're stable again. <laughs> Wouldn't have been thankful back then, but that God can use those things to teach me things and not so I can be hashtag blessed with like a better job and a yacht, and a bigger house, but like with the lessons I'm, I can take with me through life. And because I lived through those things, I am, I can handle whatever else you know, life is gonna throw at me because my foundation is secure.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's like that idea of nothing is wasted, right? Mm-hmm. Bad things can happen, but God somehow in my experience too, uses somehow redeems that. Which Unless I think they it uses, but different than
1: saying everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Like this happened, like A happened so B can happen, but like, oh, A happened. Well, let's use scraps of that to make B happen, kind of thing.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. Rather, God redeems all things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Okay. As we wrap up here, is there anything you want to say? So we didn't say, or do you Mm -hmm. want to tell everybody where to find you? Yes. Um, I guess we could do both. (laughs) Um, Yeah, go for it. So a lot of my writing
1: talks about the intersection of Christianity and Judaism and what Christians Mm -hmm. should know about Judaism. So if there's anything that I would want to part with for today, I would say, make sure you're getting your information from Jewish sources. A lot of Christians learn about Judaism in church from Gentile pastors um, or other Messianic Jews whose understanding of Judaism is shaped by Christianity. So like they're teaching about Judaism as it's like Christianity, the prequel, not like Judaism on its own terms as a thriving independent faith. So yeah, I have a list of resources on my blog about some really great resources, like written by Jews for Christians. Um, That's on the homepage of my website, sbethkaplan.com. And then through there, uh, there's all my social media handles, all the same handle, sbethkaplan, Twitter, Instagram, um,
0: Facebook, all that. So, Yeah, awesome. And we will link all of that in the show notes too. All right. Beth, thank you so much for being you. on the show. Yeah, that was, this is great. I think that a lot of people are going to learn a lot of things from this conversation and hopefully continue to learn, um, especially people who are Christians who need to do a little bit extra work around being um, inclusive and not anti-Semitic, which I think can get really tricky for a lot of people if you just don't know. So thank you. For sure. Thanks so much for joining me today on this episode of the Making Room on the Pew podcast. As always, you can find me on social media at Bailey Joe Welch and online at my website, baileyjoewelchpomerance.com. And yes, I will link that in the show notes because I know pomerance can get a little tricky to spell. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you are notified every time a new episode comes out. And if you wouldn't mind taking just a few seconds to rate and review on iTunes, it would really mean a lot to me. Doing those few easy things allows us to get the podcast in front of more people so we can all continue to make room on the pew. Until next time, this has been Making Room on the Pew.